Thanks, Clark, and uh, good morning, guys. It's good to good to see you all here this morning at Grace. Let me just add to a couple things that Clark also already mentioned. Um, one of the things that I want to mention is that next Sunday not only marks the beginning of our new services in our new space, um, but it also begins a new series that we're going to be beginning um, that week. And so this week is going to be our work week. Like Clark said, if you have any special skills or abilities, you can jump in on that. Even if you don't, even if you just have uh, or you just have a willing heart and you're able to show up kind of like me, um, you can do that as well. Just register online, let us know you're coming. That'd be awesome. But next Sunday, we're also beginning a brand new series. It's called My Life Changed When. You probably see that in your program. And uh, basically, that series is, is all about the moments and the circumstances that God often uses to get our attention and, and uses as a catalyst for life change. And so I just want to let you know that if you're looking for an opportunity to invite a friend or a coworker or a neighbor, someone that you care about that's either investigating Jesus or maybe is kind of detached from the church, uh, this is a phenomenal opportunity to do that. That series is actually a collaboration between all of our campuses together. And so you're going to get a chance to not only hear from me, but also from Pastor Jeff at our Bath Campus, Pastor Ryan at our Bath Campus, Pastor Dan Gregory at our Norton Campus. We're going to rotate together, and you'll be able to hear from those guys uh, in that series. So we're really excited about that. want to partner with you um, as you look to kind of invest and invite um, your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and those type of things. Um, the other thing I want to mention to you, probably something that, that you don't know, is that this weekend is the, the first weekend, the pioneering weekend for our Barberton campus. And so, yeah, isn't that exciting? Man, they're starting off this weekend. If, if you're newer here to Grace, you might not know. Grace is one church in several locations. We have several campuses. Um, the Medina East campus was our third campus of Grace Church. And now this weekend, our fourth campus began, the Barberton campus. So we are no longer the new kids on the block. Um, there is another campus that's out there. And so I thought how exciting it is to be part of Grace Church and to see how God is continuing to move all over the world, obviously, but also through uh, just this local body here at Grace. So I thought it would only be fitting before we jump in the message this morning just to pray for them, uh, for our brothers and sisters over in Barberton, and especially for the leadership and the team that's kind of launching that. And so let's just pause, if you would, for a moment with me. We'll just pray for Barberton. So, Father, I just want to say thank you so much for the way that your gospel is moving um, in the world. And Father, we know that we're not the only church, that we're just one of several uh, of what you're doing in this world and in this community. Now, Father, as we think about the Barberton campus just beginning this weekend, Lord, we, we really pray that you would give them a special um, anointing and blessing. We ask you that your spirit would be with that team of people. And Lord, I pray you'd be with Pastor Jeff Martell as he's uh, spearheading this. I pray that you would give him um, the wisdom that he needs to navigate well, to lead well. I pray that the team that he's with, Father, that you would give them the endurance they need, the perseverance they need, the courage that they need, and Father, we pray they'd be very effective to reach people in Barberton who need you, who need the gospel. And so we say thank you for the way you're working. We ask you that you would just continue to bless uh, Grace Church as we continue to campus, and especially Barberton this morning and uh, as, they, as they begin their services. And we would pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's fun stuff. It's exciting to hear about that. And I'll be sure to give you some, some more updates as I hear them as far as what's going on in Barberton as well. This morning, uh, we're going to be finishing a series, actually, that we started several weeks ago that we've been calling Foolproof. And uh, let me just say that if you're just tuning in for this series, the whole idea behind the series has been uh, really the importance of wisdom. And so we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. It's an Old Testament book that's all about wisdom. And we've been talking not only about the importance of wisdom, but also um, how oftentimes we underestimate the value of wisdom. And so really the main idea that we've been communicating throughout this whole series, kind of the big idea that each week we've been revisiting, is this. Quite simply, we said that we often want the result of wisdom when what we truly need is wisdom. 
that we oftentimes desire the result of wisdom, what we really need is wisdom. We actually need is wisdom. And so we, we've been looking through the book of Proverbs and we've been saying uh, wisdom is one of those things um, that all of us need more than we know. And, and honestly, as we look at the things that we're pursuing in our lives, for many of us, wisdom doesn't even make the list. And yet the Bible tells us that wisdom is something that we need that's more foundational even than a circumstance change. And so because of that, what we've been doing in the book of Proverbs is we've been pursuing wisdom together. We've been saying, hey, what if in 2015, for all of us here at Grace Church in Medina East Campus, what, what if we put wisdom near the top of our list of things that we're pursuing this year? And, and we've been talking about what that might look like as we've been journeying through the book of Proverbs together. Now, let me just say that if you've missed the past few weeks of this series, I would encourage you, um, you can jump online if you want to. You can either watch um, the previous messages in the series. You can listen to them on our podcast, and you can kind of catch up that way. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground, and so if anything today um, seems like it doesn't make sense, or if you feel like there's more to the conversation, I'd really encourage you to catch up on those previous conversations to kind of fill in the gaps. But this morning, as we finish um, this series, I want to kind of finish a conversation or fill out a conversation that we began last week. And if you were with us last week, you might remember we were talking specifically about pursuing wisdom in decision-making. And so we said the book of Proverbs gives us a lot of insight. It gives us a lot of instruction on how to make great decisions. And so we've been talking about that, man. How do you make wise decisions? How do you make great decisions in this life? And one of the things that we found last week, which was kind of surprising, is we said that the book of Proverbs uh, teaches us that the key to making great decisions, that in order to make great decisions, it involves much more than simply knowing right from wrong. And so, in other words, we put it this way last week. We said the key to making great decisions involves much more than morality, Right? So morality is what is right and what is wrong. And we said that for some of us, some decisions that we face in life, some, um, the, the choices that we are confronted with are either blatantly right or they are blatantly wrong. Right? They are black or white issues. There are some things in life that are just black and white. And especially for those of us who follow Jesus, who would, who would say that we believe the Bible is the word of God, that it, it kind of contains within it the design in which God has designed life, we would say that there are things in the Bible that are clearly right and are clearly wrong. And so as it relates to decision-making, there are some things where we're confronted with decisions that are either blatantly right or blatantly wrong. They're black or white. But the problem is this. We said that most of life, most of the decisions that we make, um, those moral rules don't apply, right? Most of the, most of the decisions we make, uh, they're not black and white. They're gray. They're not immoral or moral. They're amoral, Right? So for example, the job that you have or the car that you drive or the house that you live in or the food that you eat, those things in and of themselves have no intrinsic moral value whatsoever. And so the real question then is how do we navigate decisions that we face in life, not just the black and white issues, but how do we navigate all of the decisions in our life so that we make great decisions? How do we do that? And we said last week, that's where wisdom comes in. And Proverbs gives us an amazing amount of instruction, an amazing amount of insight and principles to help us navigate and make great decisions. The first week we were together, we said that, that wisdom is this. Wisdom is the skill of living. It's the skill of being able to navigate life, be able to make great decisions in life that are gonna lead you to good places. And so because of that, we've, last week we kind of started that conversation as related to decision making. So today I wanna finish that conversation. And what I wanna do is I actually wanna highlight three major themes that we're gonna see in Proverbs. And I wanna talk about, this is sort of the way I think about it. I wanna talk about three navigation tools that God has given us, three navigation tools according to Proverbs that God has given us to make great decisions and to navigate this life, three navigation tools. Now there are more than three in Proverbs, but because I'm preaching a sermon, 
I thought I'd just have to go with three, right? So we got three. So I'll just walk you through them, and I'll show you. This is something that shows up all throughout Proverbs, and so we'll just walk through it. So here's the first navigation tool. I put it this way. I call it course adjustment. Course adjustment, guidance and counsel, all right? So God has given us some tools to help us navigate life, to give us to make great decisions. One of the tools that God has given us is related to course adjustment, right? And I would say that that is guidance and counsel. When you, when you go through the book of Proverbs, and by the way, at the beginning of this series, um, I actually encouraged everyone, kind of challenged everyone. We said, we want you to read a, read a proverb every day. Read a proverb a day. And, and we kind of challenged everyone to go through the book of Proverbs, which, by the way, I hope you've done that. It's, I tell you, it's been really helpful for me personally to do that. And even if you haven't, it's never too late. You can always do that. Just jump in and read a proverb a day. I love reading the Proverbs, marinating on them, kind of letting them sit in your soul a little bit, processing. Some of you guys may have heard this before. Some people talk about the Bible, and they talk about the milk of the Bible and the meat of the Bible. Maybe you've heard that before. I'd say Proverbs is like the hard candy of the Bible, right? It's like the everlasting gobstopper of the Bible. You put it in, and you're, it's not, never intended to swallow quickly. You don't gulp it down. You just process it and let it sit, let it ruminate, let it resonate. That is the whole idea of the Proverbs, right? So hopefully you've been doing that. But if you have been going through the book of Proverbs, one of the things that you've probably noticed is how repetitively things like advice and counsel and guidance are mentioned. And this is all over the place. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the wise person loves counsel. The wise person seeks advice. The wise person takes guidance from other people. The fool ignores it. The fool puts it to the wayside. And it's all over the place in the book of Proverbs. And what that reveals to us is that one of the navigation tools that God has given us in this life is he's given us guidance, advice, and counsel that come from others. Let me just show you a couple really great places that we see this in scripture. I want you to check out Proverbs eleven fourteen and also Proverbs twenty eighteen. 11.14 says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. That's what it says. Proverbs 20 says this, plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. Now, here's what I want you to notice in these two verses. Um, both of them talk about the importance of advice, but the key word in, in both of those verses is the word guidance. I want you just to notice that real quick. The word guidance mentioned in both of these passages. That word shows up all throughout the book of Proverbs. That word guidance, and, and it's such a great word picture because in the original Hebrew language, the word guidance literally means this. It means ropes. That's what it means, ropes. Did you guys ever hear someone say um, that we need to show him the ropes? You ever hear someone say that before? That's where this comes from. It comes from this word, the ropes. If you're new at a job, someone will say, well, they didn't, we need to show that guy the ropes, right? That's the whole picture. And the, the reason the word ropes is used is because back in this time, the primary navigation tool that was used for sailors was ropes, so if you were out in the open seas and, uh, and there was a gust of wind that came in, you would use ropes to raise the sails so that you could leverage the power of the wind to navigate the direction that you wanted to. If there was a storm blowing in, you would use ropes to lower the sails so that way you, would, you, would, you wouldn't be blown off course. You'd use the rope system to drop anchor. You would use the ropes to navigate the ship. And so the whole idea was that if you didn't know the ropes, if you didn't know how to navigate the ropes, that you were susceptible at any time to being blown off course. Isn't that a great picture? It's a great illustration because what the Bible is saying is that life is like an open sea, right? And each and every single one of us are like a ship on the open sea and we're navigating through circumstances and we're navigating through decisions and we need to know the ropes because all of us in our lives are navigating uncharted territory, right? All of us are, are at this point in our lives at a place we've never been before in our lives. And the Bible says, someone's got to show you the ropes, because even though it's uncharted territory for you, it's not uncharted territory for somebody else. Someone else has already been there. 
I was actually thinking about this this week, and I was kind of reminded of this because this week my wife and I, uh, we encountered some uncharted territory in our parenting, and nothing too crazy, but actually kind of funny. So on Thursday, I get a call, I get a text from my wife, and, uh, and the text says, she says, uh, guess what your son did, right? <laughs> Which you guys know, whenever it's your son, right, you're like, what? You know, you burn the house down or, you know, I don't know, something crazy, smuggle drugs. And it's so, like, what did he do? And, uh, and I was like, so what did he do? And she's like, he got a bead stuck in his ear, B-E-A-D, like a craft bead. I thought she said bean, but it was bead. And he got it so stuck in his ear, it's just sitting right up against his eardrum. So obviously when I heard this, I'm immediately concerned, right? And so I'm like, what does that mean? Is he going to damage his hearing? And, you know, is it going to be stuck in there forever? Is he going to be beadhead? Is that going to be my son, you know? <laughs> and then um, I'm also immediately, I'm also really concerned about my son and his decision-making ability, right? <laughs> I'm like, is there something wrong with my child, you know? And, and, and do I need to get him tested for something? What's wrong with my, my kid, you know? And so Jess and I are concerned. And so I'm like, you know, we got to take him to the ER. So she takes him to the ER and she gets in, you know, she's obviously just concerned. And so she brings him into the ER and she's like, you know, we got an emergency here. You know, the kid's got a beat in his ear. She's like, someone do something, stat, you know. And, uh, and they're like, what, you know, what's the problem? And, uh, and she's like, well, he's got a bead stuck in his ear. And they're like, oh, like something stuck in a kid's orifice? Get in the back of the line. That happens all the time. Dime a dozen. And I was shocked at how common this is, right? This is, this is uncharted territory for us, but, but I watch some of you guys even nodding right now, and this has been the experience of the week. Every time we tell someone what happened, they're always like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, my son got a Lego stuck in his ear, no big deal, you know? I talked to my, my, my dad about it, you know? Actually, it was funny. I sent out an email to the staff. I was like, can you guys be praying? Leland got something stuck in his ear. You know, pray for his safety and his IQ, you know? And, uh, and one of my staff members got back right away, and they're like, oh, yeah, my brother-in-law got a pee stuck in his nose and didn't know it was there until he started smelling something weird. I was like, so weird, you know? I told my dad about it. My dad's like, oh, yeah, your Uncle Mark got a spring stuck in the back of his throat. It was crazy, you know? He's like, your cousin Joey's still got a paperclip stuck in his navel cavity. You know? I made that last one up, but, um, <laughs> right? But the point is this, like, we are all navigating parts of our life that, we, we, that are brand new for us. Well, someone else has navigated that. It's not new for them. For some of you, you're, you're in uncharted territories in your marriage. You're in uncharted territories in your finances. You're in uncharted charted territories as it relates to your relationships. But, but what, what Proverbs is saying is, look, someone needs to show you the ropes. Someone's got to teach you how to navigate that part of your life. And one of the navigation tools that God has given us is he's given us guidance, advice, counsel, wise counsel from other people. Let me give you another awesome word picture that Proverbs gives us here. Proverbs 15.22. This is really cool. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed, right? I love that, by the way. That word right there, counsel, is a great word. Literally in the Hebrew, here's what it means. It means to sit and hear a secret. That's what it means. Isn't that fascinating? To sit and hear a secret. Here's the picture. It's sitting down, listening to someone else tell you something that you don't know. That's the idea, to hear a secret. Do you guys ever notice that whenever someone writes a book it's usually, that, that involves counseling of some type, they usually use the word secret? Here's the five secrets to success. Here's the secret to a great marriage. Here's the secret to a great financial situation. That's all Proverbs, man. Proverbs says that advice is sitting down and, he- and letting someone tell you secrets, things that you don't know. And the Bible says that for some of us, our plans are failing, not because of what we know, but because of what we don't know, 
right? That our plans fail for lack of counsel. We need someone to speak into our lives. So one of the primary instruments that God has given us, God has orchestrated for us in our lives to navigate through life and to make good decisions is he's given us advice and counsel. He's giving us other people to speak into our lives. And so the Bible in the book of Proverbs makes it very clear that this is one thing that God desires for us. It's not just to take advice, but it's to seek advice, to go after it. And not only does the Bible tell us about the importance of this, the Bible also cautions us against what happens if we don't. So let me just show you one example. Once again, I could give you a ton. But here's a warning, Proverbs 18, 1 to 2. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his own opinion. And what's it saying? Here's what it's saying. The person that gets alone and makes decisions in a vacuum and, and does not invite, invite the voices of other people into their life, the Bible would say that person's a fool. And, and you're actually forfeiting one of the greatest navigation tools that God has provided you in life, which is other people who can speak, other people who love you and care about you, who can see things that you don't see and tell you things that you don't know. <laughs> and help you navigate through parts of your life. And so one of the great things that God has given us is he's given us guidance. He's given us advice. He's given us counsel. Um, On the same note, but slightly different, is the second navigation tool. And I'll just get to this quickly because it's so similar to the first one. The second uh, navigation tool, I would say, is related to course correction. And this, in the book of Proverbs, is correction and discipline. So we had uh, course adjustment, that was guidance and counsel. Course correction, Proverbs is going to tell us, is discipline and is correction. It's when someone corrects us or will discipline us, right? It's kind of the idea there. Now, this is similar to guidance and counsel, but it's slightly different, right? When you think about guidance and counsel, the connotations that kind of come with those terms tend to be encouragement, um, tend to be informing somebody, right? But correction and discipline, the connotations seem to be more admonishing. Um, They seem to be more confrontational, right? So whereas guidance is like a nudge in the right direction, Um, correction and discipline is like a kick in the pants, right? Um, When you're a little bit off course, just a couple degrees off course, what you need is a nudge. When you're going the opposite direction of where you need to go, you need correction, course correction. The Bible says that one of the primary ways that God provides that is through discipline and is through correction. Let's give you a couple verses on that. Once again, if you've been reading through the book of Proverbs, you probably noticed this several times. But here's one, Proverbs 15, verses 31 to 32. It says, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. And those who disregard discipline despise themselves. But those who heed correction gain understanding. See, what the Bible tells us there is that the person that ignores discipline hates themselves. What that means is that that's a person who obviously doesn't care about their own well-being if they ignore that. I love Proverbs 12.1. This is just so blunt. Look at this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. There's the words of the wise right there, you know. It's good. I love that. Have your kids memorize that one. Uh, Very fantastic stuff, right? But it's talking about discipline, the importance of discipline. And the Bible is going to tell us that God offers us discipline in many forms. So one of the primary ways that God gives us discipline, the Bible tells us, is through our authorities. And so if you live at home with your parents, your parents are a God-given authority that God has placed in your life. And they are a mechanism that God will bring discipline into your life. Um, our governmental authorities, judicial authorities, the leadership that God has entrusted over you. Those are all things that God has given us as forms of discipline. The Bible offers us discipline in many ways. Our friends, 
the friends that we have in our life that love us and care about us and know us and are willing to tell us not just what we want to hear but what we need to hear. The Bible says those are really important things. You guys might remember a couple weeks ago, Clark showed us a passage that said the wounds of a friend are, 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 are valuable. Right? Those are valuable things because we, we have someone who can offer us correction and discipline. And the Bible says that one of God's primary navigation tools that he has given us to make great decisions is he's given us guidance, and he's given us counsel, and he's given us advice, but he's given us also correction, and he's given us discipline, which makes us ask this question. It's a really important question, which is how do you respond when someone offers you advice or guidance or correction? Because the Bible tells us something fascinating about the wise person. The Bible says that the wise person in the book of Proverbs is not someone who simply takes advice. It's not someone who simply accepts discipline. The Bible says that the the wise person loves it. They love it. And it's not because they're a glutton for punishment. No one likes to be told that they're doing something wrong. But it's because they know that that kind of guidance and that kind of correction gives life to them. And it will help them see things that they don't see. And so they love it. And so my question to you is, how do you respond when someone that really cares about you and loves you, who has your best interest in mind, offers you guidance, offers you correction? Do you love it? Do you accept it? Do you heed it? Or do you get defensive about it? Do you avoid it? Is that, is that your heart? Because the Bible says the wise person loves it. And you guys, you know what? This is just, I don't, I don't even need to convince you much about this, but this is just so important, isn't it? When you talk about guidance and discipline, these things are so important because the one thing that is true about all of us is that every single one of us in this room has blind spots. We all have blind spots in our life. And what I mean by that is we all have things in our lives, patterns, behaviors, um, uh, habits that we do not see that are prohibiting us from experiencing all of the good things that God wants us in life. We have blind spots in our marriage. We have blind spots in our finances. We have blind spots in our relationships. We all have blind spots, right? And here's the thing I know about blind spots. Blind spots, in hindsight, are so easy to identify. But in the moment, they're impossible to see. That's why they're called blind spots, right? I don't know if you guys ever played this game. Sometimes I play this game with myself where I think, what if I knew what I know now back then? Did you guys ever play that game before? There's actually a song that's entitled something similar to that. But sometimes I'll be laying in bed or something like that and or driving and I'll be thinking to myself, what if I knew what I know now back when I was in high school? And I'll play that game and I'll think to myself, man, geez, what I know now, I would have done things so differently. Right? Because there's things back then that I was pursuing, there's things back then that I was concerned about, that knowing what I know now, those things, I just, I was so ridiculous, right? One of the things I would have told myself back in high school, quite honestly, was to cut my hair. I had hair that was down to here. And I know for some guys that looks good. For me, it looked terrible. I looked like, I looked like Yanni, all right? It was bad. And I should have just got a cut. I would have told myself, but I, I thought it was cool. I had blind spots, right? I needed someone to tell you. I wish I could have went back to college. If I could go back to college knowing what I know now, you know what I would have told myself? I told myself, you need to apply yourself more because the education you're getting, you're gonna really need one day. I would have told myself, the things you're concerned about right now, the things that you're pursuing so adamantly are actually not that big of a deal. And and, in the grand scheme of things in life, don't worry yourself with those things. That's what I would have told myself. Now, here's the scary thing. Some of you look back on that and you think about your first marriage. You're like, oh, I had so many blind spots. I would have done this differently. Some of you look back when your kids were little and you're like, man, I would have done this different. I would have done that different. Here's the frightening thing. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, what are we going to look back at ourselves now and say, oh my gosh, I just, I didn't, I, I would have done it so different. The scary thing is we don't know. Because here's the frightening things about blind spots is we all have them and none of us can see them. Other people in our lives can see them. 
we can't see them. And they exist there. And that's why the Bible says we need guidance, we need correction, we need discipline, we need other people to help us in life because those people will help us fill in the areas that we don't see about ourselves, right? That's why the wise person, by the way, loves discipline. Not because they love being told they're wrong. This is why they love guidance. Not because anyone loves subjecting themselves to, to allowing people to give them feedback in their lives. They love it because they know, I can't see something. And you gotta help me see it. Because if I don't see it, I might, I might do something I'm gonna regret. I might live my life in a way that I will not maximize the potential that God has given me because I just don't know to help us see the blind spots. Let me, let me show you an awesome passage on this. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9 says this, Instruct the wise, and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. I love that because here's what it's saying. The wise person essentially is a person who knows that they need wisdom. That's a wise person. Instruct the wise, and they become wiser still. You know, it's really fascinating if you think about it. Proverbs was written by the wisest man in the world, King Solomon, in this time. And he was known to be the wisest man in the world. Yet, isn't it peculiar that the wisest man in the world that we're told in the, in the Bible, that he wrote more about taking advice and getting correction than any other ancient author. That the guy who needed wisdom the least is the one who pursued it the most. Why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Because Solomon knew something. Solomon figured something out. He knew that wisdom is not a solo sport. It's a team effort. You cannot be wise alone. The Bible says that if the person that's wise in his own eyes is a fool. You have to have a team of people who you can surround yourself with, who can speak into you, who you can subject yourself to, who will give you guidance and counsel and help discipline in areas and correct you. Right, guys, LeBron James, think about LeBron for a minute, right? Undoubtedly, arguably, the greatest player in the game today. Now, there's some debate whether Michael Jordan or, or you know, LeBron James in the history of the sport, and I'm not going to get into all that. That's another sermon, another day. But LeBron, today, arguably the best player in the game right? He, he, sheer athleticism, skill and ability is off the charts. Who can teach LeBron James about basketball? Who could teach him about that? And yet, LeBron subjects himself to coaching. He subjects himself to, to correction from other people. Guys, by the way, who have far less athleticism than him, far less skill than him. Why does he do that? Because he's figured something out. He's figured out that he has blind spots, and he is not going to see those on his own. In order to become a better player, he needs someone to speak into those things in his life. In the same way, who can teach Solomon about wisdom? And yet he's always talking about getting advice. He's always talking about getting correction and getting discipline because he's figured something out. You see, unfortunately for many of us, we wait to get advice. We wait to, we wait to seek correction until things fall apart. And then we go get advice. You guys... When is the best time to get marriage counseling? When's the best time? You wanna know what I think? I think it's before you're at the place uh, uh, of no return. But before the place where your marriage is on the brink of disaster, that's probably the best time to get marriage counseling. Right? The best time to get marriage counseling is probably when things seem to be going well because then you can actually do something about it. The Bible says instruct the wise and they become wiser still. You guys, when's the best time to get financial advice? The best time, you wanna know what I think? I think the best time to give financial advice is before you make money. That's the best time because you can do something about it. Now, now is the best time when you're up to, up to your eyeballs in debt and behind on all your payments and suffocating because of your financial situation? Well, that's a good time, but it's not the best time 
right? The best time is like before you're in that circumstance so that way you can navigate your life in, in a way that helps you. The Bible says that the, if, you, if, you, if you instruct the wise, they become wiser still. And so discipline, guidance, correction, these are things that God has given us in our life to help us become wise. All right, before we get to the third uh, navigation tool, let me just real quickly give you a challenge right here, right now. All right, I'm gonna give you a challenge this week, and I dare you to do this. All right, I just triple, triple dog dare you to do this. That's, that's them's fighting words. All right, so, um, but seriously, I'm giving you some advice, so take it <laughs> or, or leave it. You know? uh, so so here, here's my advice to you. I wanna challenge you this week to go to two, to two people that, that know you and love you and, and, and are willing to tell you the things you need to hear. Not just someone's gonna give you lip service. Talk to the people who love you and know you and, 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 and are gonna tell you the truth, right? People you respect. For those of us who follow Christ, talk to another believer in Jesus. That's really important, right? And I want you to just ask them this question. I want you to ask them, what are my blind spots? What are my blind spots? Now, if they weren't here for this conversation today, explain what you mean by that. And then, listen, just listen to them. Don't interrupt them. Don't, don't defend yourself. Well, I, the reason I'm doing that is because I'm not, don't, don't do that. Just listen to them. And um, listen, um, because I didn't want to just tell you to do something I didn't do first, I did this. So I went to two people, went to my wife. She's, she loves me, knows me, and is not afraid to tell me what I need to hear. And I went to another friend of mine and who, who I deeply love and respect, who loves me and cares for me and is not afraid to tell me what I need to hear. And I just asked her. I said, listen, I've been studying Proverbs. It was about a month ago. I said, I've been studying Proverbs, been looking at this. I'm like, and, and, I, and one of the things I realized is I have blind spots. I said, there, what I mean is there's things in my life that I'm not aware of that are actually keeping me from, from experiencing the potential that God wants for me in areas of my life. I said, can you, help me, can you help me see my blind spots? Can you tell me what they are? And so I kind of prefaced it and I asked, you know what my wife said? This is amazing. My wife said to me, she said, honestly, she said, you're an amazing husband, an amazing father. She said, you're a fine specimen of a man. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, um, you're exemplary in every way, and there's, n- there's no room for improvement at all. Right? <laughs> you're all laughing. Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, you know what she actually said? The fine specimen of a man thing she did say. But the, uh, uh, but the, the rest of it, she didn't. What she said was... Honestly, she, she, she's like, where do I start, you know? And she pulled out a list that she's like, I've been waiting eight years for you to ask me this, you know, and went through. And no, but honestly, she, she told me some stuff, and my friend told me some stuff. You know what? I had no idea. I had no idea. Was it easy to hear? No. No, no, no. Did I want to defend myself? Yeah, yeah. But I was like, you know what? Honestly, these are blind spots, and, if, and, and either it's going to hurt me later or it's going to hurt me now. I'd rather it hurt me now when I can do something about it than hurt me later when I can't, right? And so I double dog dare you, triple dog dare you to go ask two people that very question. What are my blind spots? Help me fill those in. Here's the third navigation tool, and we'll, we'll finish with this. And by far the most important of them all is the destination. God has given us course adjustment. He's given us course correction. And more importantly, he's given us course destination. And that is the fear of the Lord. Now, here's what I mean by that. The most important rule of navigation, the first step of navigation, is your destination. If you do not know your destination, then you have no navigation. That's the first thing. Like if you guys were to get in your car today to drive somewhere you've never been before, and you're to pull out your GPS, or you, pull out, you open up your GPS app, right? what is the first thing it's going to ask you for? Before, before it gives you your estimated time of arrival, before it tells you which way to turn and whichever accent you have programmed into your GPS, 
What is the first thing it's going to ask you for? Your destination. What is your destination point? Set it. Because if you don't know your destination, it doesn't matter how many navigation tools you have. You're going to meander and you're going to get lost. You're going to be aimless is what's going to happen if you don't know your destination. In Proverbs, over and over and over and over again, explains to us the beginning point of wisdom. The beginning point of wisdom is thinking with the end in mind. And what is the end? Well, I'll show you one example. This is all over the place. We've actually looked at this some in the weeks past, but it's worth reiterating because it's the heart of Proverbs. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, that destination point, is the starting point of wisdom. And what does the fear of the Lord mean? We've talked about this a little bit. It means living in in, in reverence and respect and, and living in light of the fact that God is God and that I am not God. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And the Bible says if you keep that in mind, if that's the navigating principle of all the decisions that you're making, you've got the beginning of wisdom. So James chapter three, if you've never read it before, it talks about something really interesting. It explains that in this world there are two types of wisdom. Uh, the two types of wisdom are this. The Bible says in James, there's worldly wisdom or earthly wisdom and there's heavenly wisdom or godly wisdom. And what's the difference between these two types of wisdom? I'll tell you what it is. It's your destination. Worldly wisdom is wisdom that says, this world is all there is. This is all there is. This this life, I live this life, and then I die. And, and a person that has worldly wisdom makes all of their decisions based on that assumption, that this life is all there is. And so they end up making very selfish very inconsiderate decisions. And naturally so, it makes sense, right? If this life is all there was, I just live and then I'm die. I die. It would only make sense, it would make sense if I, I would live my life for my own happiness, I live my life for my own enjoyment and my own fulfillment because this is all there is, right? The Bible says that the type of wisdom that God desires for us, true wisdom, is actually heavenly wisdom. And the difference is the destination point because heavenly wisdom starts with the assumption that there is a God who will judge the living and the dead that there is a God that is set outside of this life, that there's more to this life than just what we experience in this world, that one day I'm gonna stand before God, I'm gonna give an account to him for my relationships, I'm gonna give an account to him for my finances, I'm gonna give an account to him for my attitudes and my behaviors. This God sees what I do, not only in public, but behind closed doors. And the Bible says when you live in light of that God, when that's the North Star that determines all of the decisions that you make, that you have the beginning of wisdom. That's it. Because the, look, the, the beginning point of any navigation is to know your destination. And the Bible says the destination that's going to lead you into true wisdom, to heavenly wisdom, is making all of your decisions in light of the fact that there is a God and you're going to answer to him and that he cares for you and he loves you, but that this life is not all there is. There's more. And so the Bible says in your finances, if you want to experience wisdom in your finances, here's the beginning point. Live with your finances with eternity in mind knowing one day that you're going to stand before the judge of the universe and give an account for what he's entrusted to you. The Bible says, man, if you, if you make all your financial decisions with that as your guiding northern star, you got the beginning of wisdom. Your, your marriage relationship. When you make your ma- decisions in your marriage based not simply on the other person, but based on your responsibilities to your heavenly father, the Bible says you had the beginning of wisdom. All the decisions that we face in life, if you allow that to be the northern star, the guiding principle, the Bible says you have the beginning of wisdom. The greatest navigation tool that God has given us is himself. And the Bible says that when we commit ourselves to him, that he'll give his spirit to us. And his Holy Spirit is the spirit where true wisdom comes from. And he will help us navigate through life in a wise way. 
Look, for some of us in this series, let's be real honest, this has been a hard series for some of us. And the reason it's been hard, quite frankly, is because we've been confronted with foolish decisions that we've made in the past. We've been confronted with things that we regret in the past. And for some, I've even talked to, to some, uh, some of you about this, and we've talked in the cafe, and you've said, man, I wish I would have heard this series 20 years ago. I wish I, wish I would have heard this because I look back and I have all this regret, and I realize, you know, we talk about navigation. I realize how far I've drifted from where I need to be. I realize how far off course I am. And for some of you, this isn't a life-giving sermon series. This has been honestly deflating because you're like, man, I just, I, just, I just realize how far I've gotten. But here's the good news. The good news that at any point, if you decide at any point, whether, whether, you're, whether you're, you're 12 years old or whether you're 62 years old, at any point that you say, you know what, I'm gonna align my life with God. The Bible says that when you do that, that God will make your paths straight. Let me show you Proverbs chapter three. I, we've looked at this in the past, but it's worth looking at again because it is the heartbeat of the entire book of Proverbs. It's worth looking at again. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him. And then look at this. He'll make your path straight. He will do that. And you guys, that's an invitation that God is offering to everybody. Whether you've done it all right or whether you've done it all wrong, God is offering you a clean slate opportunity. And he's saying, listen, if you commit your way to me, if you, if you make me your destination point, He's like, I will make your path straight. I will, no matter how far you've drifted, I will get you to the destination that I want you to be. The picture that comes to my mind, you guys ever have this when you're driving down the road with your GPS and you accidentally take a wrong turn? And then for me, my, my, my has like a British accent. And so she goes, recalculating, you know? And, and that's exactly what God's gonna do. When, when you reset him as your designation, doesn't matter where you're at, God's gonna make a path for you. And you might not see the way out. You might be at a dead end in your marriage, financially, in relationships. But when you say, you know what, God, I'm going to commit my way to you. I'm going to make you the focal point of my life. I'm going to allow you to define and direct my life. The Bible says you have the beginning of wisdom. God's going to give his spirit to you. And he's going to show you a path that you did not know. And that's available to every single one of us in this room. So this morning, for some of us, we need to recommit ourselves to to, the fear of the Lord. For some of us, we've drifted away from it. We've drifted away from making God the focal point of our life. And for some of you this morning, you just need to to just restate it, reaffirm it. So you know what, God, I've I've drifted. I'm resetting you as my destination point. And and I'm I'm committing my life to you. I want you to define and direct my steps. I want it to happen. For some of you, for the very first time ever, you, you, you need to do this for the first time. Set Jesus Christ as your destination point. And maybe you've never done that before, but for you, you would agree. You're like, you know, I've tried life my own way. I've lived life based on, on the patterns that I see everyone else living in, and it's led me to nothing but hurt and regret. And, and I, I'm ready to admit that I, I don't know how to live this life in, in a way that's gonna bring me life. And if that's the situation, maybe for the first time, I'm going to dedicate your life to God because the Bible says that if you commit your way to him, that if you have fear of the Lord, that he will make your path straight. If you want to do that this morning, you can do that. There's nothing special or creepy that you have to do. Just between your, hearts and God, just between your heart and God's heart, just pray to him. Say, God, I'm setting my course to you. I've drifted off course. I've tried life my own way. I've realized it leads me to crazy places and I'm committing myself to you. And the Bible says when you do that, you have the beginning of wisdom and the Lord We'll make your path straight. Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to say thank you that you've given us in this life what we need. You've given us everything we need. 
for holiness. You've given us everything we need to live a life that is, um, that is worthy of, uh, of, of your purposes. And you've given us some great stuff. You've given us other people. And the truth of the matter is, God, we need others. We can't do this by ourselves. Wisdom is not a solo sport. Following you is not a solo sport. And we need other people to speak into our lives. We need to surround ourselves and subject ourselves to the voices of others. Father, we need good counsel, wise counsel. Uh, we, need, we need guidance. Jesus, we, we need correction and, and discipline. It's hard for us to admit that. It's hard for us to admit that we need something sometimes. Especially, it's hard to admit we're wrong. But the truth is, um, Lord, that if we don't subject ourselves to these things, Proverbs tells us that we are forfeiting one of the primary tools that you've given us to navigate life well. And so I pray that we would heed life-giving instruction, that we would heed correction, but more than that, Father, that we'd pursue it, that we'd love it. And, and as the wise person, Father, that, that you instruct the wise, they become wiser still. Greater than all of those things, Father, I pray that we'd set our hearts on you. You are the true source of wisdom. Father, the, 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 the word of God says in the book of Colossians that wisdom comes from the spirit of God. True wisdom comes from your spirit. That we can't muster it up on our, uh, out of our own discipline. We can't make ourselves more wise. But when we follow you, you will make us wise. And so I ask you, God, that you would help us to commit our way to you and that you would make our path straight. Father, thank you for the mercy that you give us every morning. The Bible tells us your mercies are new every morning. And for some of us, we need to hear that today. We just need to hear that you've given us a clean slate, a fresh start this morning to walk in a way that's wise. And so, Father, I pray you give us the wisdom to know what's right. Give us the courage to do it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.